Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. You got a Bible? Go ahead and meet me in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet this morning with me. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Amen. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. I wasn't loud enough, so maybe some people are still turning. If you got it, say got it. Got it. All right, all right. Starting in verse 1, the text reads, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, and he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I love these words. He says, he is not here, for he is risen. He said, come on, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Very words of God, amen. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, the crooks of Christianity. You say that with me? The crooks of Christianity. Not crooks, the crooks. (laughs) The crooks of Christianity. Father, I just ask simply right now, that you would just enter this place, that you hide me behind your cross, and that you may be lifted up. Let your word go forth and let your people hear from you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. And we all said together, amen. amen, amen. You can be seated. Anybody here remember the story of the three little pigs? Come on now, don't be bashful. Y'all remember the three little pigs, right? Three little pigs. One made his house out of straw. One made his house out of, come on now, sticks. And then one made his house out of bricks. Then the big bad wolf comes along and he, he huffs and he puffs and he blows the houses down. Y'all remember it, right? First one makes his house out of straw, and then the 
the big bad wolf comes along and he, I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house. Blows the house down to the ground. The second little pig made this out of sticks. The, the big bad wolf comes along, huffs and he puffs and he blows the house down. Comes to the third house. Third little pig made this house out of bricks. Wolf comes along. He huffs and he puffs and he The house still stands. Don't miss this. All the little pigs had a home, but only one little pig made his house out of the right materials. Here's the point, family. When you have your house in order and your faith is built upon the right material, then your house is unshakable. Don't miss it. See, some of us have walked in here this morning we built our house on the wrong material. You, you built your life on the work of your hands, what you do. You, you put your trust in your intellect. You put your trust in a person. You put your trust in a place or a thing or a spouse. You built your house up on the wrong material. So just like in the story, the three little pigs, as funny as it may be, the three little pigs and the big bad wolf, when those parenthetical huffs and puffs come around, you know what happens? Your life just seemingly falls apart. Your, wave be, your, your, your faith begins to waver because you built your house upon the wrong materials. When you look in this text today, when we, we're going to see when we build our faith on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are unmovable. We're unshakable. Friends, it's the resurrection that makes Christianity different from every other so-called house or other religion because Christians believe in a risen Savior who is not dead, but he is alive. See, Jesus holds the power of life and death in his hands. The resurrection is the crux of Christianity. It's the crux of the Christian's faith. And you, just like the little pig in that story who built his house up on the, the bricks, when the wolf came along, it didn't move. When you build your faith upon the right materials, when you build your faith upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's unshakable. It's unmovable. This is why we sing. This is why we worship on Sunday. This is why we worship throughout the week. It's how we can walk around with our heads held high and our chest stick stuck out, 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 pumped out, you know, like you've been lifting weights because you can walk around like this in the midst of all your trials, in the midst of your relations, all these things coming your way, hell, hell breaking loose in your life because Jesus ain't dead, but he got up from the grave. Some of y'all ain't clapping because you don't know what that means. Because if he got up from the grave, hear me, if he got up from the grave, which means that he defeated sin and death, left death right there, has the power over life and death. If he can get up from the grave, you know what that means for us that believe in him? That means he can take care of us, our little old problems, big or small, however we may think of them. When they come our way, he can take care of them. Because if he can defeat death, he can defeat anything that comes your way. Don't miss the truth of the resurrection. Friends, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's the crux of the Christian faith. Today I have three points that I want to talk about. Number one, resurrection brings about equality. Resurrection brings about equality. Number two, resurrection gives hope. And number three, resurrection brings about true worship. Let me say those again. 
The resurrection brings about equality. The resurrection gives us hope. Thirdly, the resurrection brings about true worship. Our pastor today comes on the hill of one of the most gruesome deaths throughout human history. The death, none other than Jesus Christ, happened on Friday. See, Jesus was beaten, he was whipped, or should I say scourged so badly that just from the scourging alone, he should have died because of the internal bleeding that was taking place in his body. But it doesn't stop there. He gets stomped on, he gets punched out, he gets spit on, crown of thorns weaved together, wrapped around, and put on his head. He's hiking up this hill called Golgotha with this heavy cross on his back, stumbling along the way, falling down to the ground. People are helping him up on his feet if they're not beating him down. He finally makes it up to the hill, and they put him on the cross, nailing him in his hands and his feet, blood dripping from his body, from the scourging, as well as the nails that are going through his hands and his feet. He hangs there. They hung him high. They stretched him wide for the world to see. He's hanging there, dying for the sins of the world, sins that he didn't commit. Take him down off the cross after he dies, goes to the grave, sits there throughout the night Friday, all day Saturday, and early on Sunday, gets up from the grave, and that's what brings us to this passage today. The first verse says that it's after the Sabbath being Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, which lets us know that this is Sunday morning. This Sunday morning. They, the, the text says that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb mostly because they're going to anoint and embalm the body, prepare it the right way, properly, with spices for burial. They were there at the burial place when Jesus was put into the tomb, tomb that did not belong to him. They, he, they put him in there. They're sitting there while all of this is happening. Normally, that's when they would do all this process, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it on the Sabbath, so now they're back here again two days later, according to chapter 27 and verse 61. They've been there the whole time. They're coming back again. Now, Mary Magdalene was a woman, if you know, you've heard of her name before, she's a woman that was a known prostitute. She had about seven different demons that Jesus pulled out of her when she came to meet him for the first time. When, when he came and encountered her, he pulled these demons out of her. The other Mary, as the text notes in here, many people think that this is Jesus' mother. But we're not, we're not for sure. But what's more important here to note, don't miss this, is notice that the writer Matthew doesn't put the emphasis on who these women are and who their accolades or what their, who, what's their last name or anything of that nature, but he puts the emphasis on the fact that there were women at the tomb first. Don't miss that. I heard all the women say, mm-hmm. <laughs> Disciples in a room someplace, women right here. Now, follow me with this. This is important. This is important because Jesus was just killed. He's just killed. His body may slightly still be warm from the death. Blood still wet. He was wrongfully executed for sins that he didn't commit, wrongful acts he didn't do, and he was seen as hostile towards the Jewish culture of the day as well as the leaders. So what this means is that anybody that follows Jesus, follow me, 
anybody that follows Jesus is seen as what? They're seen as hostile too. Now, hear me. So these women come into this tomb right now. Whether they're coming to embalm or prepare the body or not, it does not matter. This is still very dangerous. I mean, they, they have guards at the tomb thinking that somebody might come and steal the body away. But these strong, courageous women, they go there regardless of what could happen to them. See, again, instead of women just coming to embalm the body, Matthew, as the writer, as well as the other three writers of the other Gospels, they make the same point. It's women that end up there at the tomb first. Why do they do this? Hear me, it was totally controversial, controversial as well as inappropriate for a woman in a misogynistic era to carry the message, to be the one to run out and say, this is what's happening. It wasn't even lawful. So why, why is this text telling us this? What it's trying to say is that the role of women in the resurrection of Jesus makes the dawning of a new age, of, uh, it marks the dawning of a new age of equality between men and women. See, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl now would not only be saved from the bondage and the penalty and the power of sin, but now through their belief in Jesus, they're seen as co-heirs. You know what that means? That Jesus sees men and women alike equal. Now, why is that important? Hear me, to the woman that walked in here feeling devalued in society or at your job, you're just as valued as anybody else to God. Don't miss that. This is a word to the ladies. Someone needed to hear that. See, maybe you deserve that raise at your job, but a man got it. Maybe you feel like you're working harder on your marriage than your spouse. Maybe you feel like, man, if I could just be a man for a day. Maybe you feel like you're working twice as hard as anybody else, but you still have to fight more and more for what you do. Hear me, in the eyes of Christ, you're just as valued as anybody else. Y'all can clap. I'm excited this morning. It's okay. If you feel something in your spirit, let me say this. If you feel something in your spirit, I'm a black preacher. That's okay. We got a multi-ethnic church, but you feel something in your spirit, it's okay to clap. It's okay to amen. It's, it's, it's Easter Sunday, right? Let me, let me get back to the text. Y'all done got me all off. See, hear me. I mean, I tell my daughters and my wife all the time the same thing. I have four daughters, and I have my one beautiful wife who I love. And I tell them, them all the time. When I'm taking my girls to school, I, tell them, I ask them, how did God make you? They say, fearfully and wonderfully made. I say, what does that mean? That means that God believes you're beautiful. He took and spent time on you. He cares for you. And sadly, women don't hear that enough. So I want my girls to know that. I want my wife to know that God took time and he spent time on you. He cares for you just like he cares for everyone else. He, he took time on you. He loves you. You're worth it to him. That's important. And hear me, this isn't just for women right here. I'm going to say this thing. I don't want you to miss this. Don't let the world or what happens to you here or what people say about you on this side of heaven dictate how you believe God sees you. Let me, let me say that again because some of y'all missed that. Don't let 
the world or what happens to you in this world or what people say about you dictate how you believe God sees you. No, no, he sees you where you are, working hard. He sees you, your belief. He sees you in your trial and your turmoil, and he loves you. He cares for you. He's there for you. Don't let anything else dictate how God sees you. It does not change how he sees you. If you're a believer, he sees you as his son, as his daughter, and he cares about you. You are a child if you believe. And guess what? The text lets us know that you're equal in his eyes. Don't forget that truth. The resurrection brings about equality. These women, they they get to the tomb, they're unafraid, and the text moves on and it says there there was an earthquake. Now see that? It says an earthquake. Now pause, as we walk through the rest of this passage, I want us to slip on our imagination caps, okay? We're going to go back to kindergarten. Can y'all do that with me? Go ahead and do it. Slip on your imagination caps. Two of y'all did that. Slip on your imagination caps. Then you can slip on your boots. Come on, Luke. Put your boots on. Put your boots of the... I want you to put the boots of the text on. I want you to see yourself in the text because if you do not do this, you will miss the magnitude of what's happening in the text right now. We just skim through the text and we get straight to, oh, Jesus is alive. You're going to miss the magnitude of what's happening here in the text. The text says that there was a great earthquake for an angel appeared and he rolled back the stone and then sat on the stone. Now, we don't know if this earthquake came because the angel is actually appearing or if this is the mechanism he used to actually make the stone roll away. All we see is that this angel is sitting on top of this stone after the earthquake, dangling his little legs like, what? I did this. (laughs) Now, this was no little stone. This would have been a huge boulder that would have taken several strong Popeye-looking dudes to come with spinach and all to move this. Y'all don't even know who Popeye is. <laughs> you know, just moving this stone. They're trying to get this stone in front of this tomb. But the angel is appearing, and, and he's sitting on it. Like, y'all, I did this. It says the appearance of the angel was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. Now, let's recount this a bit. You got an earthquake, not just a small earthquake, but the text says a great earthquake. It says there's a huge boulder that has been moved, and the angel is sitting on top of it, whose appearance is like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. Now, let me, y'all be honest with me. How many of y'all be afraid at this moment? Some of y'all ain't honest. You got your hard look on like, I would have been cool. No, I would have been flipping out. (laughs) Angels, earthquakes, big boulders moving. I mean, for real. I mean, this is why you look at the text and you see, there's no wonder why these guards, it says that for fear of the angel, they trembled and they were like dead men. I I, I picture these guards kind of like the cartoon characters where they get spooked and, you know, the, 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 the soul leaves their body, they turn white, and they're like, just, 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 just dead looking because of what happened in front of them. That's kind of what the guards are doing right now. They're, they're spooked because of what happened. They are afraid. Y'all see that? See, Jesus was a threat to the Pharisees in Jewish culture. So let me, let me, let me reel this in. These, these guards are not just regular. These are regular guards. No, 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 no. He was a threat, so they put the best there. 
The Jews, they come and beg Pilate, can you have a guard at the tomb? I need a heavenly guard. Look back at chapter 27 with me, verse 62 through 66. It says, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, we remember how the imposter said while he was alive. After three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples go and steal him away and tell the people. He has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to him, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and, and setting a guard. Y'all see that? So hear me. This just wasn't any regular guards here. No, no, these would have been not one, not two, but a gang of highly classified and highly trained men who are sitting at this tomb right now. But yet at the sight of this angel, they're wetting their pants. You see what's happening in the text. The text moves on and don't miss this. It says the angel addresses the women. Not the guards and says, do not be afraid. Now, the text doesn't say anything about these women being afraid. In fact, the only thing the text says is that the guards are afraid. The women were at the tomb when Jesus was buried, and now they're back regardless of what could happen to them a couple days later. They're not afraid, but why does the angel say, do not be afraid? In order to understand this, we've got to pay attention to the words after he says, do not be afraid. Follow with me. He goes on to say, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified, and I love these words. He says, he is not here, for he has risen from the dead. And then it's almost as if they didn't, he knew they wouldn't believe it. He says, go on in there in the tomb. You see where he was laid. He ain't there. He's risen from the grave. He's risen from the grave. He says, do not be afraid. He's alive. Now hear me. These women weren't afraid of what could happen to them, but we have to realize they had just lost the man that they followed and put their trust in. They, they saw him die a gruesome death. And regardless of Jesus' words, they saw him die. They saw him be locked in a tomb with a huge boulder in front of it, and nobody has ever come back from death unless it's by the words of Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. But guess what? When that happened, Jesus was alive. They just saw him die. And nobody has risen from the dead in their own power. So the fear that they're feeling right now is not being afraid. It's despair. It's hopelessness. They're probably asking themselves, Jesus is dead. What do we do now? Where do we go? Who do we turn to now? He's dead. I mean, how many of y'all go with how many of y'all have been at a place in your life where something happened to you and you were like, man, there's, there's no way I can come back from this. I messed up so bad. There's no hope. I mean, you, you, you've worked hard at something. You, you've tried to make it happen, and it didn't happen. 
Now you're left in this place of despair and you're asking the question, what now? I mean, in that place, there's so much doubt. There's so much despair. There's so much hopelessness in that place. There's so many things that come into your mind at that moment. You've tried your hardest and now you couldn't make it happen. Anybody been there before? Maybe you're there right now. Something didn't happen the way you wanted it to. Some of you may remember a few years back, my wife and I, we went through one of the scariest moments in our lives dealing with one of our children. Three years ago, our, our little baby, Isabel, on one Monday, um, on my day off, I was sitting at home playing with the kids and Isabel in the middle of us just playing just falls out on the ground and she starts screaming and hollering, yelling, my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts. And we're like, Isabel doesn't usually play, but maybe she just needs to go lay down. We're not sure what's going on. She keeps talking about her stomach is hurting. So he said, go lay down on the bed, Isabel. And for about two hours, every 15 minutes or so, she would wake up. Ah, my stomach hurts. My stomach hurts. Screaming and crying. She'd fall asleep 15 minutes, then wake up and start screaming and hollering. We're like, what is wrong? We're scared. And we, tell, we say, let's go to the hospital now. Let's go to the ER. Let's take her there. We walk into the ER. We tell them what's happening, and they they rush her back to the procedure room and they start doing all these tests on her abdomen area and they're looking down at their ultrasounds, all these different things, and we're like, what's going on? They said, she has what's called intersusception. We're like, what does that mean? And it, it, what it meant is that her, her small intestines had coiled up into her large intestines. That's not supposed to happen. It coiled up in there and it was stuck. And if they didn't do a procedure to get this out, it could cause the death of her whole bowel tract, or even worse, she could die. And we're sitting there afraid, like, what's going to happen to our baby girl? This was honestly one of the scariest moments of our lives. Every 15 minutes, she's sitting there, and she's screaming and crying, yelling and crying, not knowing what's going on with her. They see her, then they strap her to a bed strap her down, my little two-year-old. And I sit there as her father, listening to her screaming, tears rolling down my face as she's looking at me with these glassy eyes just hollering. And I can't do anything for my baby. I can't fix it. I can't make it better. All I could do is pray. All I could do is sit there. My wife is crying next to me. There's nothing I can do. I've never felt so hopeless in my life. My wife and I, we sit here as she's screaming and crying, not knowing what's going to happen. They do the procedure three or four times, and finally it pops loose, but our baby girl was sitting there. And family, at this time, while I'm sitting there in the midst of all of this going on, it's easy for me to blame God. You say, why would you do something like this, God? Why, why couldn't you just take me instead? She's only two. Why not me, God? Now, I had a choice to make. It was in that moment I had to decide whether I'm going to keep trusting in myself and wallowing in this woe is me type of place or just say, Jesus, you take the wheel. I trust you with my daughter. And see, family, hear me. Sadly, in those moments, sadly, it's, it's sometimes we got to come to those places of brokenness before that choice actually becomes a reality. Am I going to keep trying to lead my own life or am I going to trust Jesus? 
See, sometimes God uses these hard times in our lives to build up our trust and our faith regardless of the outcome. You know why? You see, the reason is because it's in those low times that we don't have any other place to turn. We've tried it on our own. We've worked hard. We've tried to fix it. And now we're sitting there with nothing to show for it. Hopeless. Hear me, family. These women in the text, they're just like me sitting in this hospital room with nowhere else to turn, no hope in themselves. They can't bring Jesus back from the grave. They saw him die. What do they do, though? Instead of wallowing in this despair, they go down to the tomb early in the morning. The dew is still on the ground, still wet. And in the midst of their despair, in the midst of their problem, in the midst of their sadness, the angel appears and says, do not be afraid, for I know it is Jesus you're seeking. He is not here, for he is risen. Do you see those words? Family, there's someone in here that's facing a trial. You're in the midst of it right now. There's something going on in your life that is happening to you or around you, and you can't fix it. You can't make it better. No matter what you do, it stays the same, and you're wallowing in despair and hopelessness. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a problem that's happening in your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. You're sitting in this place and you don't know what to do. Something is going on and you you need to hear those same words of the angel. He says, he is not here for he is risen. You know why? Y'all hear me. The resurrection doesn't just prove the fact that we will be in eternity with God in heaven. No, 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 no. Just because Jesus got up, yes, we will be there if we believe, but it also gives us hope. It also gives us hope, a living hope, to continually walk through the trials of life and all the mess of life. Because if he got up, like I said before, if he gets up from the grave, he can take care of what's happening in your life. 1 Peter 1, 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Living hope. The resurrection gives believers a living hope. See, while I was sitting in that hospital room, I had to remember those words. For he is not here. For he is risen. Because if he conquered the grave, then I knew he could take care of my little Isabel. Isabel now runs around like nothing ever happened. She's five years old, flipping everywhere, gymnastics, runs the world, she thinks. And God is good. Family, do you trust those words? He's not here, but he is risen. Because if you trust those words, you'll be able to walk faithfully through any trial or anything that comes your way because the resurrection gives us hope. Gives us a living hope. The women in the text, they trust the words and they, they leave and they run to the other disciples to share the news as he told to do so. Now, along the way, 
while they're running, they're not walking, they're running, tell the other disciples, Jesus just meets them on the road and says, greetings. Like nothing happened. Pops up, greetings. The women immediately, they drop and they take hold of his feet. They're down there and they're praising him. They're giving him the true worship he deserves. Now, family, this is important because Jesus does not push them away right now. He doesn't say, no, no, go worship my father. He's the only one worthy of worship. No, no, he just accepts it. Because it's in this moment that these women acknowledge him as God. Only God has the power over life and death. Only God can get up from the grave. So they, they, this must be God. They drop to his feet. Jesus doesn't say, no, I'm not God. He just accepts it. Come on, worship me. This isn't a hallucination. This is really Jesus. And without hesitation, they drop to their, his feet and they start worshiping. They're declaring their faith because they see that Jesus has truly resurrected. Y'all follow me again up to this point. Jesus was only Lord to them, only not, not as God, not in deity or lordship, but only out of respect and reverence. They would call him Rabboni or teacher. That's what they commonly call Jesus. But now they see him as God. In their eyes, he's God. It's the resurrection that brings it all together. Renewal, it's the resurrection that gives the believer life. Jesus, hear me, y'all, being beat to a pope, being spit on, being knocked, knocked to the ground, being, being punched, being kicked, hanging on the cross with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. That means nothing without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is what gives us hope. The resurrection makes our faith. Jesus had to die to take upon the sins of the world because he's the only one that was sinless. He's the only one that upheld the commandments and fulfilled the prophecies. He's the only one that walked blameless before God and before us. He's the ultimate sacrifice. But without the resurrection, the sacrifice means nothing because the resurrection is what symbolizes his power over death and life. I mean, that, that's what the resurrection is. He not only takes our sins upon himself, but he conquers them when he takes them to the grave and he gets up, leaving them there with power in his hands and walks among us. So without the resurrection, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, our faith is meaningless. So if you don't believe in the resurrection, you say you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in the resurrection, it's meaningless. That's what Paul says. Without the resurrection, we would still be dead in our sins. He didn't just need to die, he had to come back. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. What Jesus did on the cross, being beat, all of that, it would have just been some good intentions. But yet he died, went to the grave, and got up. See, that's why we worship. That's why we praise him. That's what makes Easter so special. But some of y'all still not following me. Y'all missing it. Let me end with this. How many of y'all watch golf in here? <laughs> Tiger Woods, y'all. Last weekend. If you don't watch golf, you heard about it. Tiger Woods it did something that we've seen him do before. He won the masters. But yet, this time, it was a little bit different. He hadn't won the masters since 2000. Anybody know? 
five. He hadn't won a major tournament since 2008. That's not one, that's not two. That's 11 years ago. 11 years ago. Everybody used to love Tiger Woods. Everybody. Nobody wanted to be like Mike anymore. They wanted to be like Tiger Woods. Every black man had a set of clubs now. We're going to be like Tiger Woods. People in the hood, it's Tiger Hood, you know? Tiger Woods. Everybody wanted to be like Tiger Woods. Scandals came along. He got injured. Everybody started doubting Tiger Woods. Everybody. All the announcers, Tiger Woods will never be anything again. He will never make it. Stephen A. Smith with his head shaking, and he's not going to make it. You know, hang it up. Y'all know how he is. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods will never win again. Tiger Woods even doubted himself that he would win again. But last weekend, Tiger Woods would do the unthinkable in sports. Nobody has ever seen a comeback like this before. Michael Jordan comes back on, retracts his words. He's like, man, I, I took two years off to play baseball, but I've never, this is the greatest comeback ever, ever. I'm a LeBron James fan. He came back 3-1 against the Warriors. Sorry, Warriors fan, it happened. But it still doesn't compare to what Tiger Woods did. Tiger Woods did the unthinkable, came back and won the Masters and, and left everybody in amazement. And all people could do is give him praise. Some of y'all missing where I'm going, family. What I'm trying to say to you is that when you truly understand the magnitude of the resurrection, that Jesus came back to life, the greatest comeback of all time, family, all you can do is worship. All you can do is give him praise because he's good. Y'all hear me? There has never been one bone found. There have been manuscripts, books, Letters written about Jesus coming back to life. He was seen by more than 500 people. He stayed not one, not two days, but 40 days with his disciples. Then he ascended to heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So anybody that believes in here, he's seated there, still interceding on your behalf. That means you still mess up. He's still sitting there like, yep, Jesus, God, I got him. He's good. That's why we give praise to him. That's why this day is so special. Family, the angel said it best. He said, he is not here, for he has risen. Then I love it, Jesus, after that, says to the women, do not be afraid again. I'm here. Friends, the resurrection brings about true and real worship. And in just a minute, we're about to worship. We're about to get ready for communion want us all to really worship him this morning. We got to start with that same question I began with. What material is your life built upon? What does your faith consist of? Where does it come from? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The resurrection is the crux of the Christian faith. 
It's what brings it all together. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. God, we thank you for your death, your burial, Jesus, and your resurrection. Father, I pray if there's someone in here that's struggling with this truth or they came to church because their family came or they were invited, they don't know you, Jesus. I pray right now that they would say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I've tried all other ways. But I need a living hope. God, we thank you that you are that. God, we ask that you would intercede and you would weave into the hearts of your people right now. And even if they do believe, God, that you would make the truth even real more about the resurrection. Let us believe, God, that you didn't stay there, but you got up. And that's why we're here today. Death couldn't hold you down, God. Thank you, Jesus. God in the flesh, our Savior and our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we say all these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Uh-huh.